It's Thursday, July 2nd. Welcome to Market Fuller. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Morgan Housel, and from Fool.com, Senior Energy Analyst, and one of the hosts of our industry-focused podcast, Tyler Crow. Thanks for being here, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Happy Thursday. It's a crossover episode. It's like, uh, I don't know, like one of those shows where, like, the, wasn't there a crossover episode where like the people from ER showed up on an episode of Friends. That or seems like, like a really '90s thing. I, I don't know, think it is. happens as much as it does <laughs> yeah. today as it did back then. Well, I'm old, Tyler. Well, so sorry. That's, I'm, I'm once again I'm dating myself. Uh, we've got BP in the news. We've got Whole Foods in the news. But let's start with the big macro. Uh, the market is closed on Friday, so the jobs report for June came out today. 223,000 jobs added for the month, Morgan, a little bit higher than expected. Unemployment falls slightly to 5.3%, lowest mark in seven years. It's all great. Everything's great now, right? We're good. We can just go home now. Awesome. Right. No, I think it's important. In any given month, the unemployment number is almost totally meaningless, because it'll be revised seven times. Uh, Once in the next two months, once in each of the next two months, and then every year for the next five years, and then we'll be revised. The average revision is plus or minus about 50%. So, in any given month, it almost makes no difference. 50%? Almost 50% in any given month, the revisions. What's really interesting, too, is almost no one cares in the media or analysts. Almost no one cares about the revisions. It's a headline number that comes out. Everyone focuses on it. They trade stocks around it. And the only thing that we know about the number today, 223,000, is that it's wrong. That's that, that's that's the only thing like we know with certainty. So I think what's important for jobs numbers is that not in any given month, but just looking over the trend over longer periods of time, where you can get some clarity over what's going on. And as you mentioned, so lowest unemployment rate in seven years. We've actually gone 63 months now of positive jobs growth, which is the longest since the 1930s that we've gone with positive jobs growth. Uh, you know, 63 months in a row, in a, in a row now. So that's great. Um, something interesting. These numbers aren't new, but they always shock me. If you have a college diploma, the unemployment rate for that cohort is 2.7% right now. If you don't have a high school degree, it's 9%. If you don't have a high school diploma, it's 9%. Uh, Those that skew in uh, different segments of the population always gets me. And of course, the, the takeaway is... Stay in school, kids. Stay in school, absolutely. Um, uh, Tyler, I don't know if you had a chance to sort of break down uh, the energy numbers, but one trend we have seen over the last year or so uh, is the drop in energy jobs. When you have, you know, certainly massive companies, uh, Schlumberger leaps to mind, uh, among others, laying off thousands and thousands of people. Um, how is that job market looking right now? Um, not as robust as what Mark Morgan had just talked about. Um, according to the uh, the release, it said that mining jobs, which is a pretty broad sub- segment because it talks about any uh, you know mining related to uh, steel, copper, anything like that, as well as coal, but it also includes oil and gas drilling. Uh, they're down four thousand this month. Like Morgan said, we can't really put a hard number on that. It's Kind of, kind of a directional thing, and as of you know, year to date, it's down seventy-one thousand. Um, to keep that in context, I mean, unemployed workforce in the oil and gas mining sector is only one percent of the unemployed workforce in the in the United States, so it's not a huge thing. But and a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's all related to oil prices. Everything's oil prices. It's not necessarily that. Um, when you act, it doesn't matter how much the oil price is. It's actually how many people are working it, which is more related to things like drilling activity. And 
yeah, oil prices are down, and so we've cut back on you know spending a little bit. So there's not as much, not as active, but at the same time, we're getting much more efficient at our drilling, and so we're not requiring and as many people to to you know pump the same amount of oil. So there's a li- couple things at play there. Typically, um, and I, I realize that we are getting better from a technology standpoint when it comes to drilling. Um, uh, maybe I shouldn't say typically. Historically, um, when there is job growth in the energy industry, um, does it happen sort of in leaps and bounds? It seems like the sort of industry that, where, you know, if if times are good, then they can't hire fast enough. It's, it's it, this is especially true in the United States. Um, we are the shining beacon of a boom and bust economy when it comes to oil and gas drilling. Uh, you look back, and this is almost a blueprint of what happened in Texas in the 1980s. You know, uh, the well, I think it was 1979 oil crisis, and then all of a sudden there was this huge boom of people going out to drill in Texas. It, everything lit up for several years, and then all of a sudden we started to realize, oh wait, we've made we've gone out and drilled too much. We're pumping out too much oil. You know, and then they had to cut back again, and you saw a massive uh, cutback uh, back in the 80s. I, I can't say with a certainty that that's going to happen again, but um, it's always a possibility. All right, let's stick with the oil and gas industry because the, the big news of the day, other than the jobs report, is that BP has settled with the federal government and five states along the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, this is, of course, over the Deepwater Horizon disaster of 2010. $18.7 billion BP is going to pay out uh, some of that to the federal government, some of that to uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Texas. Uh, they're going to get billions of dollars over the next 18 years. You look at this company closely. What do you think? 18.7. If you're if you're a shareholder at, at BP or you're an executive at BP, obviously you're hop- happy that your shares are up a little bit today on this news. How happy are you with the number? Um, I don't necessarily know if it's the number itself that would make a shareholder uh, particularly happy about it. I think more than anything, it's just the clarity of knowing what we have to deal with and how long it's going to take. You know, based on what this settlement was, they were settling, like you said, with the federal government and with these five states. This is a lump of three, four, maybe even five separate lawsuits that could happen over the next 10, 15, 20 years with absolutely no idea of what the final outcome could be. If you look at that, that's pretty big albatross hanging over your company for a very long time. And to, to say to shareholders, stick tight, we're going to work through this, that's not exactly... One lawsuit at a time. Yeah, one lawsuit <laughs> at a time. It doesn't look that great. I mean, heck, there's even a lawsuit right now from its own shareholders that it said it was misrepresented misreporting info. And that is one that hasn't been settled, but it just goes to show like how shareholders were angry at this whole thing. And so, you know, basically they can go to their shareholders and now now and say, look, 18.7 over it's over 18 years. So it's only about a billion a year, which is for a company that size and the the amount of cash flow that a company like that generates, you know, a billion is a pretty manageable number. And so, I think more than anything else, everyone is looking at this as a sigh of relief, saying, "Okay, we can kind of wash our hands of this and move on." Yeah, Morgan, uh, I, I think last time I checked, BP was had a market cap around 125 billion dollars. So, I mean, when you 
push that out over 18 years. Yeah, this seems like a good deal for them. Yeah, and I would say too, uh, it's great that you know they've settled with these lawsuits and get some clarity to shareholders. I'd also say the history of the banking industry of late will show that the word we've settled, the phrase we've settled, can be fickle. And there have been banks that have settled with the government numerous times. Uh, they settle, and then there's an, another lawsuit related, and then they unsettle, and then past agreements are ripped up. So these big lawsuits tend to string out over years. And Do you years. think that's likely to happen again? With, I have no with, idea. With BP, I, I, I'm not. I'm not qualified to make a legal judgment on something like that. <laughs> you know that better than anyone. <laughs> but uh, you know the, the the banking industry, particularly the large banks from the mortgage crisis. Uh, it's been years and years of lawsuits, and I can't count how many times that is it has been portrayed as this is the final settlement, and then a month later there's something else. So, when you look at shares of BP, obviously they took a hit in in 2010 in the wake of this disaster, but they really sat out the last five year rally that we've had here. I mean, if even taking into account the fact that it's up four or five percent today. Okay, this is we've got some clarity now. You tell me. Is this is this a stock if I'm looking if I'm looking to add some energy to my portfolio and the group that I'm looking at is the big guns. I'm looking at BP, Chevron, ExxonMobil. Where does this stock fit in terms of a yeah, you should think about adding this now that this clarity is here. I need to handicap this a little bit because we got this story what a couple hours ago, yeah. so I haven't had a whole you know a lot of opportunity to really <laughs> you sit didn't, down you and didn't analyze. Run this. your charts? No, and I didn't. You know, I didn't whip out my Excel out, charts and just start going. Work out a Ron Gross patented valuation Sorry on this. <laughs> um, here's here's what, how I look at it, and oh yeah, over the next last several years they've really struggled. You know, part of it has been you know the psychological, you know, fear of these these settlements. But at the same time, this is a company that has sold a ton of assets over the past 3 or 4 years trying to stay it pay out uh, all the previous payments that they've made, um, which in some ways could compromise growth in the long term. Uh, the if you look at it today, you know, considering oil prices where they are, considering uh, the recent settlement that they have, the company is Two things that I really like is their cash flow positive. They're basically generating more cash from operations than what they're paying in capital expenditures. That's a really good thing if you're looking for some sort of long-term sustainability in terms of solvency. Um, there may be questions of saying, are they investing enough for five, ten years down the road? That's a really, really hard question to answer right now. But you know, if you compare them to somebody like a Chevron who is not cash flow positive right now. It, because they're spending so much money on really large projects, you know that bodes relatively well for BP. And I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to make any recommendation on this thing, but I'm certainly going to take a second look now that this has happened. Well, and particularly as we've talked about, particularly with what we've seen from the price of oil over the last eight to ten months, yeah, you you, you kind of want to um, uh, optimize in favor of those who are actually cash flow positive. Um, We've gotten a couple of email recently, and people have tweeted me about Whole Foods, saying, "Hey, are you are you going to talk about Whole Foods?" And my response was basically, "No, we're not going to talk about Whole Foods because they're just being investigated. There's no, they haven't been charged with anything." And in case you missed it, the New York City Department of Consumer Affairs has been investigating Whole Foods, alleging that stores in New York City had listed improper weights 
on prepackaged foods, which resulted in overcharges. Um, Whole Foods came out. Uh, the co-CEOs, Walter Robb and John Mackey, and this is where I have to point out that John Mackey does sit on the board of directors here at The Motley Fool, they came out with a video uh, apologizing for this. Uh, and the quote, Morgan, from Walter Robb is, straight up, we made some mistakes and we want to own that. Um, they looked into this and realized that this was happening at these stores. Uh, again, this is contained to New York City and there were eight stores that were looked into by the New York City Department of Consumer Affairs. Um, but uh, you looked at how they responded to this. What did you think? Well, I was talking to a friend this morning who said he was confused by it because he thought the entire point of shopping at Whole Foods was to be overcharged. <laughs> that was that was the entire. That, that's why people go there now. But uh, you know, when when you have a, when you have any large company like that with hundreds of stores and thousands of employees, you're going to make mistakes once in a while. How they've responded to it is, I think, really encouraging by just saying, we screwed up, we're sorry, and we're going to fix it. So many times that you see misbehavior in corporate America, the mistakes are swept under the rug or excuses. And I really have a hard time with CEOs that take all the credit on the way up and want none of the blame whatsoever on the way down. You see a lot of that, particularly in the financial sector, people who made hundreds of millions of dollars on the way up, and as soon as the 2008 losses rolled around, they swept their hands and walked away and rode off into the sunset. It's encouraging, I think, to see CEOs that just take full blame and say, look, we made a mistake, and here's how we're going to fix it. You know, when I first saw this story, I didn't understand it, because I, I mean, you know, to the, <laughs> to the comment your friend made, I, I first interpreted it as they're charging a lot of money, and I thought, well, look, if they want to charge a hundred dollars for a pineapple, they, they, want. they can yeah. do that. And if someone's going to pay that, well, good, you know, I guess good for Whole Foods. But, this is a weight issue. But this though. was a weight issue, so it was basically mislabeling prepackaged food. So uh, it, you're paying for something that is labeled as four pounds, and it turns out it's actually three and a half pounds. Um, and one of the things that they mentioned, Tyler, was, hey, look, this this was unintentional on, on our part. And one of the ways we know it was unintentional is sometimes it worked out in people's favor. Sometimes they were, you know, they were getting the benefit of that weight. I, I'm going to make a small uh, small claim. Any of us here, anybody listening, if you go into a Whole Foods for the next couple of weeks, I almost guarantee you will see people weighing prepackaged food at a chance <laughs> because part of part of the uh, speech that he gave it says if you're finding that you're being overcharged or things are overweighted, we'll give it to you for free. Right. So I bet for the next couple of weeks, as long as this story is kind of current, <laughs> people, bring in their people are going to be in. coming in, they're going to be weight experts. They're going to sit there like holding in their hand, I think this is more than 0.63 ounces or whatnot. And they're going to head right to the scales because they're... I, Heck, I'm a cheapskate. I'm probably going to do it once or twice. I don't begrudge anyone doing that, but if I see someone who's actually brought in their own personally calibrated scale, then I'm then I'm going to be <laughs> be like, come on, you need you need to do something. Like that. I, I mean, to to the point you made, Morgan, I I do, uh, and I am a shareholder of Whole Foods. I do appreciate the way they handled this, um, and and it is one of those things we talk about management all the time, and while you know a lot of times. That to me, and this obviously wasn't on a conference call. This was a video that they posted on their own company blog, and it's also now on YouTube. So you know anyone can can watch this for themselves and decide for themselves. But to me, it's um, it's a reason to not just look at management and how are they managing the business, that sort of thing. I'm always curious about okay, what is this person like? 
when they're under a little bit of pressure? Right. What are they like on camera? How are they on a conference call when maybe the quarter didn't go that well? Yeah. And so the fact, you know, and you get to see, well, this is how they're dealing with this. They're they're literally looking straight into the camera and saying, this is what we did. This is how we're fixing it. They've set up some new systems in place that they're going to be testing over the next month and a half or so. And yeah. uh, you know, so uh, good for that. It's kind of a breath of, a breath of fresh air. There are companies whose CEOs, after the company went bankrupt, refused to admit that that they did anything wrong. <laughs> So it's it's great to see to see CEOs just come out and say we screwed up and here's how we're going to fix it. Um, before we wrap up, uh, as I mentioned before, the market is is closed tomorrow for the Independence Day holiday. Uh, Saturday is Independence Day, so um, um, thank you to all those listening uh, who work around the world to to keep our country free. Um, uh, we know from email and, and tweets that. Um, we've got listeners in the military, um, in the State Department, uh, embassies and consulates around the world. So, so thank you to, to all of you uh, and your families, because um, it is uh, uh, obviously a, a struggle for families when uh, their loved ones are, are away, and, and particularly if they're in dangerous places around the world. Um, plans for Independence Day? I, I, I hope wherever you are listening right now, You've got better weather forecast for your Independence Day than we have here in the D.C. area because right now it's like cloudy, sixty percent chance of rain, and we actually have. First of all, I mean, we great fireworks in D.C. and where our office is. If you go to the balcony on the top floor of Fool Headquarters, you can actually see the fireworks in D.C. You don't have to fight the traffic or or the throngs of people to get in there, but. Um, any special plans for you? You've taken my response. That's oh. where I'll be. You're going to be on the. Are you going to be, be here? I'll be on the fifth floor of Molly Full Headquarters. Nice, nice. Just going to wheel my desk over to the balcony. <laughs> right. What about you? I was going to say he probably actually is going to be working instead of actually <laughs> right. watching the fireworks. But um, I haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm. I, I live day at one day at a time. So isn't independent? I I, I I was talking with um, uh, Leah Murphy, one of our fabulous fools in. Our member services department, and um, she was saying this. This is one of my favorite holidays. I was like, "Tell me why." She's like, "I just I, I feel like it's a it's a holiday that um, it just gets shared across our country and and around the world. And there and there are people who 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 celebrate it, even though they you know they're not right here in the United States." And I said, "Do you think there's anything overrated about it?" She's like, "No, I don't think there's anything." I said, "Certainly not fireworks. For me, fireworks." Fireworks are great. That's it. They're just they're just they're underrated. They're just as great as they are. I feel like they still don't get their due. Also, barbecuing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right, I, I'll take that back. Loud That's noises. what I will be doing. I You'll will be, be barbecuing <laughs> probably for 3 days straight. Nice. Loud noises, bright lights, and barbecue. And and barbecued meat. That's right. But, you know what? For people who want to do a portobello mushroom or something like that, you can do that. That's okay. You can do that. I won't. You be. are free to do that. Uh, yeah, you are free to do that. <laughs> Um, Tyler Crow, Morgan Housel, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks, thank you. Uh, check out Industry Focus for more information. Uh, Tyler is one of the hosts of Industry Focus, and uh, um, he taped the energy episode earlier today. So, uh, even more details, digging even deeper into the BP story and other energy stories. So, check out Industry Focus on iTunes, on Stitcher. Um, I mentioned, I believe, this time last week, we have a new Motley Fool podcast coming next week. Uh, Very excited about it. Not going to tell you what it is, again, only for this reason. 
there's that 1% chance we have any kind of technical error that will in any way delay the launch. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just uh, just next week new full podcast coming, but uh, but until then check out Motley Fool Industry Focus. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.